KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the rundown for Monday, December 6th, 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. And we're back at it again after yet another weekend. How was your weekend? Good to see both of you here once again. Always good to be here, Jay. It's a Monday morning. And, you know, I'm feeling good, though, because before we hopped on the microphone, I got my COVID booster shot this morning. I'm feeling juiced up and and powerful and ready to go. Wonderful. I got mine a couple weeks ago just before uh, just before Thanksgiving. Brian, how are you doing this after this weekend? Good, good. Hanukkah has come and gone, so hopefully the Seltzer family will be able to get off the gift and present roller coaster. I'm feeling bad for the Philadelphia Union guys. I know this is not a sports podcast, but the story surrounding this was crazy. 11 players were held out of this huge game on Sunday, which would determine if the Union would advance to the MLS Cup for a shot at the championship. There were 11 players that were held out because of health and safety protocols and some of their like best guys. I thought that was wild, and they came up a goal short against... New six, York. six of their starters got taken out by wow. COVID. Eleven overall. They wow. actually had, they actually had a one nothing lead in the game and ended up losing two one. And New York scored for like three or four minutes left in the game. It was no, it was tough. That was that's a tough way to go out, especially after having the season they had. Eagles at least won, and the Flyers have fired their head coach. We've just had all sorts of fun things. Fun things go on this weekend, and so basically a lot happened over this weekend from. The city's first all-inclusive holiday parade to the new travel restrictions because of the new COVID variant. We're just going to get right into it and dive straight into the rundown of today's headlines. And we start these headlines by checking out what's happening with this COVID pandemic and the new Omicron variant. Now, we, we saw cases of the variant pop up here in the city of Philadelphia. The first one was announced on Friday afternoon in uh, northwest Philadelphia. Also found its way into New Jersey. So... It's, it's happening, but at least we kind of knew it was coming, and it seems like there's at least a preparation involved in this. Yeah, I don't think this was really a surprise to anyone. Omicron is here. We knew it was coming. The New Jersey case was someone who had traveled to South Africa, so that makes sense. At least it sounds like so far the cases are mild, but the variant is highly contagious. That's what we're hearing. And, of course, Dr. Fauci is urging caution. Here's something that he told CNN. Thus far, it does not look like there's a great degree of severity to it, but we really got to be careful before we make any determinations that it is less severe or really doesn't cause any severe illness. This is absolutely not to downplay the seriousness with which this thing seems like it can spread. But to hear Fauci say that Omicron might not be as severe in terms of how much it punishes the human body as the way Delta has been, I think that's really encouraging. I think it also speaks to this notion of perhaps how we could and should live with handling and reacting to news and updates surrounding COVID. Yes, for me personally, I can only speak for myself. Anytime I hear there's something new, new variant, new issues, it's going to set off alarm bells. But I also think that waiting a little bit, it could be a couple days, a week to digest some news, at least some early indicators of what a new variant or some mutation is doing. I think that that could be helpful. And in the long run, maybe give us all a little bit stronger dose of sanity as we try to grapple with this thing. But even with this new variant, of course, the White House has had to issue some new restrictions because you still don't need this thing flying all over the place. And speaking of flying all over the place, these restrictions are for international travelers. 
who are coming into the United States. They now have to have a negative test no more than 24 hours before entering the country. It used to be 36, now it's down to 24. And you got to show the results before you jump on the plane. This also applies to U.S. citizens that are coming back to the country as well. Yeah, so this is travel, any travel into the country. So if you are just flying around to go see your family in a different part of the U.S. this holiday season, probably don't need to change your plans other than, you know, the usual precautions. Brian, I'm kind of with you that it makes sense to just take a beat before freaking out. And for me, I don't think there's too much to adjust because I'm already wearing a mask indoors. I'm already vaccinated. It's really people are advising us to do kind of the same things that we've been doing, but really, really encouraging those people who maybe have not been doing those things to step it up and do that this holiday season. The White House also rolled out their whole nine-point plan, so these travel restrictions are part of that. The rest of it includes things like boosters for all adults, vaccinations for kids, expanding free at-home testing, and those treatment pills that we've been talking about from Merck and Pfizer. So hopefully all of that will roll out and help deal with this. About that nine-point plan, Sabrina, there were a couple parts of it that stood out to me. Obviously, vaccinating kids, improving numbers there, really important. Expanding free at-home testing. Did you guys hear any stories like this? I Not directly to me, but friends of friends or family of other friends. They were encountering issues where the cost of an at-home Binax test to go to Thanksgiving was like probably double or triple what it should be. So I think that the ability to get at-home testing resources more readily available, I think that could really do a lot for making people feel more comfortable, whether it's themselves going out and doing things or interacting with other people who might still be on the fence of how much of a risk they want to take. And then last part of that plan that holistically I'm a big fan of is the commitment to global vaccination efforts. I think that is really nice, understanding our United States place in the world and how perhaps given the resources we do have, Yes, we want to prioritize people uh, here first and foremost, get that, but also making sure that we fulfill an obligation to the rest of the world for countries that might not be as fortunate. I think it's interesting to note, too, I've heard that in a lot of poorer countries that maybe somehow trust their governments even less than we do, there is a lot of vaccine skepticism. So it's about getting the doses out there and also getting people to take them. You know, I think we need to spread supply and information globally. It's a lot that goes into this. I mean, we'll, we'll certainly see where this goes now as we not just head through this holiday season, but really into 2022, because this is about to be the start of the third year of this thing when we get a little bit further down the road here. So at least it looks like we're, re- we're really reaching that area where, yeah, the variants keep coming, but there is that little bit of hopefulness that perhaps as the variance changes, so does the severity. It's now just getting people vaccinated to try to help calm this whole thing down. And we switch gears here, and we spent time on this podcast in the past, and most recently last week, talking about nationwide trends in racism and bullying and anti-Semitism. Well, just like that, the city's going to need a new commerce director because of all those things. I'm going to let Pat Loeb do most of the talking here, Jay, but... A word to employers and hiring agencies. You might want to check the timelines. 
Michael Rashid took over the Commerce Department at a crucial time last fall as businesses were tentatively opening from the pandemic. His resume looked good, former CEO of AmeriHealth Caritas and service on President Obama's Council on Minority Health. But it's clear the city never checked his social media for warning signs. They would have seen a post quoting Malcolm X as saying, you don't see Negro stores in Japanese neighborhoods, Chinatown or Jewtown. But in Blacktown, every kind of store is here but yours. A report in the Philly Voice on Thursday quotes staff members as saying he showed the same attitude in the office, remarking, for example, that he'd avoided seeing Schindler's List because he thought it was Jewish propaganda, though he said he liked it when he did watch it. The story also quotes staffers as complaining about Rashid's bullying style creating a toxic environment. Yeah, I don't think Schindler's List won any awards for feel-good story of the year. But uh, I will say, I just, I can't believe that we hear more and more of these stories of places that don't do their homework with people's social media feeds. That's probably, if I were a hiring manager, that's probably one of the first places I would go to try and get a sense of what a person's all about. There is a, uh, there's a prominent journalist and somewhat mentor of mine as well named Howard Bryant. He's worked at ESPN and worked for various organizations. Unbelievable journalist. And one of the best and most simplest quotes I've ever heard him say is, social media is made to get you fired. In this case, he resigned, but he resigned likely without having to get fired. And we have the statement from Mayor Jim Kinney here, by the way. I've accepted Mr. Rashid's resignation today in light of his inappropriate comments. The city is committed to ensuring a fair and inclusive working environment where the values and respect and dignity are upheld. There's no place for the things he was saying. Yeah, I have to say, though, I do think the right things happened after the fact. You shouldn't have said these things in the first place, but he resigned. He admitted to these comments. He apologized to leaders of the Jewish community. I'm not saying we should go out and hire him back and say he's great now, but he put out a statement saying, my continued service would serve as a distraction from the work of the department, which is far too important to the city and the region. So he put the work ahead of himself, put the community ahead of himself and said, you know what? I recognize that this was not the right thing to do and say, and I'm going to face those consequences. You would think that based upon what he's done in his career and his resume that Pat ran through in that report, there's got to be some good in there and he's got to have some ability and skill to do what he's done. Right. Like you said, Sabrina, let's hope. I'm about second chances. I believe in that. Um, I think, yeah, if someone can learn and grow from a misstep or a mistake, then let's give them opportunities and forms to do that. We will move now from the city of Philadelphia over to South Jersey, more so in Cumberland County, where they're testing out a new program that's aimed to decrease the number of police use of force incidents by sending a mental health counselor with police when responding to certain types of 911 calls. So this is a pilot program. They're calling it Arrive Together and kind of testing out this theory for the rest of the state. The plan is on calls for wellness checks, suicide watch, and emotional or behavioral problems. They're going to send out a mental health counselor along with police, hoping that that will help the situation to not escalate. And the attorney general's office found that two out of every three use of force incidents with police in the state of New Jersey involved someone who was experiencing a mental health crisis or under the influence of drugs or alcohol. So you have to imagine that this is going to help significantly. We ask law enforcement officers to be marriage counselors and to be therapists and to be crisis interveners. And we ask them to do a bunch of things, sometimes for which we give them the training and sometimes we don't. Now, that's New Jersey's 
Acting Attorney General Andrew Bruck speaking there. And just to give some context, Cumberland County is about 150,000 people. It includes violence, so it, it borders up against the Delaware Bay in New Jersey. And yes, I think that the more that these programs can be tested, there's a lot of talk about programs like this. There's a lot of theories that would lead you to believe that this type of intervention and assistance for police officers would work. I think the fact that we can just get some more testing, more evidence, some data about it, I think that's great. And uh, it's great that if this is something that's successful in Cumberland County, it sounds like they're probably going to adopt it uh, in other parts of the state as well. It's a change of pace. It's certainly because we've seen, unfortunately, what happens when police go into situations, and not just in South Jersey, obviously, but when police go into situations where they got to deal with somebody with a distinct mental health issue, and that person ends up dead. We don't have to go that far back to think about what happened with Walter Wallace here in the city of Philadelphia, where he's in the throes of what was listed as a mental health episode, and he ends up dead in the street. This is a point that's been made, so let's see where it goes. At least this program actually sounds like it's got some legs to it, and perhaps it can make a change and cut down on the potential potential harm or even death of somebody who may be suffering through a distinct mental health issue. Now, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to look at how the Sixers are promoting Black-owned businesses throughout this Christmas shopping season, plus a unique holiday celebration took place here in the city of Philadelphia. I'm Jay Scott Smith, along with Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd-Circa, and you're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith with Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd-Circa. And this holiday season is in full swing, and that also means there's a lot of Christmas shopping left to do. I know I got plenty to do myself. And it goes from the online giants all the way to the local mom-and-pop shops, and there are plenty of stores you can support out there. And the 76ers are choosing once again to focus on one very important particular type of business. Yes, so I worked at the 76ers for the last couple of years before I came here. <laughs> and something that they started last year that I was really just super impressed by and felt strongly about, I think it's a great thing and a great example, I'm probably biased, of an organization with a platform doing good, trying to give back, is this Buy Black program. There's some people out there who, if you follow the Sixers, you might have seen this advertised during last season. It's part of a $20 million action plan and commitment by the owners of the Sixers to address racial equality. I had the chance to catch up with a guy I used to work with, David Gould. He's the chief diversity and impact officer for the 76ers. He heads up this program. And we talked about the origins of the Sixers Buy Black program. It closes on December 10th. That's why I wanted to talk to him now to get some information out there. And really, this idea was born out of the racial and social unrest we saw here in the U.S. and also around the globe that followed the murder of George Floyd in the spring and summer of 2020. And the Sixers wanted to find a way to help businesses that were underrepresented in the black community. The program is really structured around finding really great black owned businesses within our region and um, partnering with them and making them a corporate partner of the team, just like, you know, Wendy's or Toyota, any of our other really wonderful partners. So we will market their business, which, you know, is hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in value of of marketing expertise and, and assets, uh, and really hopefully introduce them to a broader customer base. And we have some some really tremendous companies and businesses here in Philadelphia. We just want to amplify them and, and support them in whatever way we can. Well, it's always good to hear teams like this really kind of put their money where their mouth is 
and make investments such as this, especially you see that a lot more with NBA teams, obviously, knowing that the audience and the majority of the players in the league are black and a lot of the cities you're in, you want to have that foothold and that footprint. So this certainly is a case of the Sixers saying, look, we're not just all in on this just for show. This sounds like they really want to make sure that this does work out better for the city. I'm all about when Christmas comes around or anytime, really shopping local, supporting black owned businesses, other minority owned businesses, you know, give your money to to the people here instead of to Amazon. So this is all part of that effort. And I think it's great. I think the more we can get big groups and big people like the Sixers talking about this, the better. I've read and heard stories about how where prospective and potential black business owners have gone in for loans and maybe some of the feedback they get sometimes as well. There's no business like this in our community that we can reference to give you your loan and things like that. So the Sixers are trying to put not just their money behind it, but their brand power, their exposure. If you watch Sixers games on TV, you can see the logos for the companies that won last year. There were two winners. One is this company called Spurgo. It's an apparel company uh, that was started by this amazing 15-year-old kid, Trey Brown. The other winner last year is a company called Girls Contracting. They're a female-owned black business that does home construction projects and also some remodeling. So it was really great. And another cool part of the process was that some of the Sixers players got involved. Tobias Harris and Danny Green, David Gould from the Sixers, thought that was one of the most fun parts of the project last year for him. Danny and Tobias actually joined us to help with the interview process last year, uh, which was really cool. We got to surprise all the finalists and they came on a Zoom call and all of a sudden you see, you know, Danny Green or or Tobias Harris and, you know, they're asking the businesses questions and, and helping us figure out who are going to be the best partners for us to, to work with. And, you know, I think it's just, it just speaks to the importance of this issue and, and something that resonates with us across the organization, whether it be us folks who are working on the business side or, or the guys who are on the court. Now, Brian, you mentioned again that this thing closes up later this week on December the 10th. How can people get involved in this? Yep, Jay, you got to have your submissions and applications in by December 10th, midnight Eastern. They had over 700 applications last year, sixers.com slash buy black is the website. So if you are a black business owner or you know someone who is that could use a little boost, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of marketing equity, that's where you can go, sixers.com slash buy black. And we'll round this whole thing out with some holiday cheer. Last week, Philadelphia had its first all-inclusive holiday parade. Now, as I've mentioned before, I mentioned on here is like I've always bristled at the term happy holidays because usually it's just nothing but a bunch of Christmas decorations with the word happy holidays. This one really was a holiday parade. It hit all of them. Guys, I think it's safe to say that it has been a pretty tough year in all seriousness for Mayor Jim Kenney here in Philadelphia. But I do think he got this one right, the spirit of inclusivity celebrating everyone's holidays that occur around this time of year. And also he had, because Santa was unavailable apparently, Charlie Manuel dress up as the big fella to be at this parade. So that is absolutely a great call by the mayor. Our man about town, John McDevitt, caught up with one parade goer over the weekend. We're the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. So to show how united we are, it's really important. What did you like so far? I really like the Chinese New Year is really, I mean, they're all beautiful, and I know it's a lot of work, but the Chinese New Year is really special. This is a really kind of cool deal. I can't think of other cities that do this, at least not off the top of my head. Yeah, what I think is really cool about 
this parade is that, you know, we know that there are celebrations for every type of holiday in Philadelphia. It's a diverse city. You can find something somewhere. But having it all together so that everyone can see each other's cultures and each other's holidays is really, really cool. So I love that. And speaking of multicultural, not just Christmas celebrations, Hanukkah just ended yesterday, but the National Museum of American Jewish History is extending their celebration and they're actually renaming, it's now the Weitzman National Museum of American Jewish History because of a donor named Stuart Weitzman who gave them a gift, basically allowing them to buy back their building. The museum had gone into bankruptcy at the beginning of March, 2020, just came out of it in September and is now officially owns their building again. And they are celebrating tonight with the Miracle on the Mall. It's a pretty pricey celebration to go in person, $250. But there are virtual tickets available for a suggested donation at nmajh.org. Great story. Great finish to how this whole situation has kind of unfolded. I remember that when the museum opened in Philly, a couple of years ago, it was a big deal. They had a huge gala and celebration and some really well-known celebrities came into town to mark the opening. So nice to see that this is back on track. We got one more thing before we go. So, Brian. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm going to be selfish here. I'm going to ask you an obvious question since apparently there seems to be a problem with this now. Um, I understand you have a ham sandwich and you're not sure if you're supposed to be eating it or not. I literally have a ham sandwich that I brought in, ham and Swiss cheese sandwich that I brought in that I was planning on eating after the taping of today's edition of The Rundown. But then I saw that there's been a recall, nearly 240,000 pounds worth of ham products. That's a lot of pig. First of all, the idea to me that I'm consuming food for which there could be a recall, that <laughs> might be something that I need to reevaluate, but... I mean, there are recalls on everything, though. That's true. There's cars. Cars have recalls. Wasn't um, there a recall on lettuce a little while ago? Like, there was spinach. There's kale got recalled. There's, uh, what was it, peanut butter I've heard get recalled. Tasty Cakes, unfortunately, got recalled because oh, of no. some issue in a factory. And <laughs> the, the, now we've made it. We've made our way to ham, which that's showing up on a lot of tables in the next couple of weeks with, with yeah. Thanksgiving having just passed. And everybody goes and grabs a ham for Christmas, whether you're buying one from the store or you're doing it like how some of my people back in the Midwest do go to Honey Baked and get one of those boys. And now you have to fear like nearly a, a quarter million pounds of ham. That's a lot of pigs. And not just ham, pork products too. Yeah. This is coming from a company called Alexander and Horning. It's based out of Michigan, Jay. Oh, lovely. Out. Wonderful. <laughs> but from what I can tell, the meat that I purchase, my ham cold cuts, is not part of this company, but maybe, maybe today I'll take a walk down to <laughs> somewhere and get some some greens, some get fruit. a turkey sandwich. Yeah, instead. maybe go turkey. I hear about things like this and that, like the cost of chicken is going up and and things like that. My husband went vegetarian uh, like year and a half or so ago. So the past two holiday seasons, we've been bringing the tofurkey, and it just kind of makes me grateful. Maybe I'll I'll switch full time to the tofurkey instead of the ham. There's so many things that are changing out here. Like you mentioned, it's just the price of chicken, the price of fish, vegetables, the price of the brick has gone up. The price of everything else just happens to manage to go up out here. And at least I know I'm not a big 
ham eater. I like pork. I'll eat sausage. I'll eat bacon. For some reason, bacon, ham. Yeah. I, I'm a bacon guy. What What can I say? It's one of the few things that in my that these days I have zero issue eating. But hearing this is just like okay. There's one more thing we got to deal with. But at least we know, if nothing else, we will find out tomorrow if that ham were safe when we pull up tomorrow to do the Tuesday edition of The Rundown, which is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd-Circa and hopefully after today, Brian Seltzer, the director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is the great Tom Rickard. Me, I'm Jay Scott Smith. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. That's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. You can hear me every afternoon on KYW News Radio, 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and right here on the Odyssey app, starting at 3 o'clock for Philadelphia's Afternoon News. Make sure you follow The Rundown on Twitter at The Rundown, PHL. Again, The Rundown, PHL, all one word. Listen to it right here for free on the Odyssey app or just about everywhere else you get your podcast. So for Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer, I'm Jay Scott Smith thanking you for checking out this Monday edition of The Rundown. <laughs>